Thank you for joining us once again for Kingdom Rock Radio. Now here's a sample of today's broadcast. But today we're going we're gonna to look at a, at a young man here uh, that really was ruled by fear from birth. Remember, if you would like to hear more about our ministry, just log on to KingdomRock.org. That's KingdomRock.org. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the rich word of God. Has anyone ever been talking to someone before and, uh, you know, you really had something on your mind and you heard them talking, but you don't know what they said? Can I see your hands? I mean, you, you saw their mouth moving. They say, you listen to me? Well, well I'm sorry, sorry. What, what, what are you saying? What, what are you saying? But see, the same thing can occur in the house of the Lord. Where the word of God is going forward, we can be so enamored with other things that um, we'll leave and just went right over us. But how do you know gas is expensive? Anybody know that? Let me see, let me see by hands. Gas is expensive. How do you know a bed feels good, especially on Sunday morning? Anybody know that? Bed feels real good on Sunday morning, especially after rain. I don't know about y'all, but I like putting my window fan in the window there, let that cool air just blow in. Oh, man, knock me out. So there must be a reason that we got dressed up and came up here today. We can be home watching television right now. Or playing Xbox, right, Gregory? We could be doing a lot of other things right now, isn't that right? So let's just free ourselves for the moment to receiving from the Lord. Is that okay? Amen? Praise the Lord. All right. Well, let me pray just for a moment. Then we're going to go ahead and get started. Father, we thank you in Jesus' mighty name for this day and for this time that you have appointed, that you have anointed to take place. We thank you, Lord, for signs and wonders uh, that shall accompany that shall accompany your word. And we thank you, Lord, that you are present, that the power of God is present to heal and to deliver and set every captive free. Lord, we lean on you today and we rely on you for your wisdom, your instruction and your guidance. Teach us today. In Jesus' name, instruct us. Heal our hearts. In Jesus' name. Let every heart say amen. 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 Well, turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Luke, Luke 4. Luke 4, and uh, we'll get straight to the uh, skinny of this in just a moment. Luke, the fourth chapter. And really, we'll be uh, speaking today from the subject of the turtle syndrome. Yeah, the turtle syndrome. I heard that like, what, Lord, what, the what? Yes, the turtle syndrome. We'll tell you more about that as we go. Uh, right off, we know that uh, the turtle, the slow creature, uh, he did not outrun the hare in the race, right? But he had slow, sure movements. And one thing about a turtle, it's good to have slow, sure movements, we will get in trouble uh, if we do things fast sometimes, but it's good to have slow, smooth movements. That's one thing. 
but what we're referring to about the turtle syndrome is when uh, fear comes our way or when danger approaches. I got to say it. Danger, Will Robinson. Danger, danger, danger. When danger approaches, we are prone to getting back in the shell and waiting in the shell until the danger passes. Well, uh, you know, the turtle may not know, but, you know, if someone comes to it and wants to eat it, the turtle's in the shell, but they just begin to kick the little shell around until the turtle tries to come out, right? And many of us, once we've gone inside our shells because of danger, we've been kicked around, kicked around, and we've gotten off course. But today the Lord wants to help you to identify identify these things. And we're going to really look at the yoke portion of it. He's going to help you identify the yokes that are in your life. He's going to help you give you keys to overcome these yokes. And he's going to restore you. And then he's going to uh, give you new things from him. All right. Let's talk about this. Now, let me give you one phrase the Lord gave me. And please remember this. Failure isn't fair. But it is a part of life. The living experience. But the good news is that when we do fail, we can be restored. Many of us are afraid of failing, afraid of failing, afraid of making the wrong decisions, afraid of making the wrong moves, afraid of signing up for the wrong classes, afraid of going to the wrong jobs, afraid, 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 afraid. And it is that fear uh, that can contaminate our lives and really control you. Once fear dominates, it has the ability to control And it will uh, take you places that you don't want to go. It will make you miss opportunities that you later on regret that you missed. Fear. Once fear controls or dominates, it will uh, turn your life in directions that you really don't want it to go. All right. But I have good news for you. The Lord Jesus came to heal that. Let's look at um, uh, Luke, the fourth chapter, and go straight to it. This is what the Lord Jesus Christ is saying, and this is what he came to do, and this is what he has also anointed us to do through his spirit. He says here, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he have anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He had sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and restoring of sight to the blind, to set at liberty uh, them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Now, I want you to notice for a moment how many times the word preach is used in this verse. One, he sent me to preach to the poor, right? That's one. He sent me to preach deliverance to the captives. That's two, right? Then down at the very bottom and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord, to proclaim it, to tell you that it's done. All right. But notice he only used the word heal one time in that verse he says here he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted now as much as we want to tell people we want to preach to people just get over it just get over it we want to just tell them you all just get over that it happened a long time ago just get over it just get over just get over it we want to preach to them but the lord didn't come and he has not anointed us to tell people just get over it just get on with your life He didn't say, I came to 
preach to the brokenhearted. He said, I came to heal the brokenhearted. Are you with me? Your broken heart must be healed, not preached to. As a matter of fact, if we get to preaching to someone that is brokenhearted, you're really going to just turn them off and they'll turn a deaf ear to you. The word heal means in this uh, text means to cure. It means definitely to heal. It means to make whole, to make free from errors or sins, to bring about one's salvation. I love that. To make free from errors, to make free from errors. When our heart are when our hearts are broken, uh, they're broken because there's error. There is something that is wrong. There's something that is amiss on the inside of us, and it is causing us to act strangely, or it's causing us to make bad situations, or it's causing us to have bad behaviors or incorrect behaviors during certain situations. The Lord said, "I've sent you." Uh, he said, "He sent Jesus, or He sent the anointed, the, the anointed one, and His anointing." to heal or to free the heart from errors say that the lord has has sent his anointing to free my heart from errors now that's a very big thing we're going to get into that now the word broken here um means to of course it means to break or to break into pieces it means to tread down it means also to put satan underfoot as or rather, to put Satan underfoot and as a conqueror, trample on him. He's the one, the enemy is the one that has orchestrated much of the error that's in our heart. Much of the error that is there. Uh, we may grow up in, in our homes and people begin to tell us things about us and say, you'll never be this and you'll never do that. Or, and they'll begin to speak doom and gloom and cursings over our lives. These are errors that has gotten into our heart. Oh, these would be, we could say, uh, viruses that have gotten into our hard drive that are causing us to act incorrectly, that shuts our systems down, that causes us to go into our shell in times of danger. Instead of standing up, chest out, shoulders back, and say, look, devil, you ain't coming here. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? We're conquerors, we're warriors, we're fighters, we're overcomers. Say it with me. I'm a conqueror. I'm a warrior. I'm a fighter. I'm an overcomer. I'm telling you, the day we really begin to get that in our heart, in our spirit, let me tell you, you will not be able to be ruled by the enemy again. He won't be able to ride you back. Hallelujah. But today we're going we're gonna to look at a, at a young man here. Uh, that really was ruled by fear from birth. And we're going to see how the Lord dealt with him and how he, how he was able um, to deal with that through his life, what happened. But uh, getting back into uh, Luke, the fourth chapter, does anyone, anybody want to get this today? Anybody want to hear this today? Amen. It's good to let me know that you're there. All right. So the Lord said he's come to heal or to cure or to free from errors the, the broken. The brokenness of a heart, of course, that has been caused uh, by the enemy there in some way, form, or fashion. Uh, now, the word heart here in this text means mind or soul. It means mind or soul. So the error is not necessarily in your body. It's not necessarily chemical, but it is in the mind and it is in the soul. And Jesus said, I've come to free your heart 
from the error. I've come to free your mind from the error. I've come to free your spirit man or, or your soul from error. Now, that's something that only the anointing can do. Are you with me? Only the anointing can do. Now, there is some amount, um, some amount of healing does take place when we talk to one another. Uh, when we get the situation out in front of us and we can, and it, it can be very therapeutic, very, uh, therapeutic. But real deliverance comes forth by the anointing and through the anointing of his spirit. The Lord Jesus said, I've come to do that. I've come to heal the brokenhearted. All right. So let's look in the life of, uh, life of Moses for a moment. Let's go to, uh, the book of Exodus, the, uh, second chapter, or rather the first chapter, just Exodus is the, uh, second book in the Bible. He's uh, Exodus in the second, rather, Exodus the first chapter, and we'll also look at the second chapter. We're going to go on from there. <clears throat> now, I want you to see something. What you're going to notice here is that uh, Moses' life was yoked with fear from the womb. Since he was in his mother's womb, his life was yoked with fear. Now, when we talk about yolk, of course, we're not talking about that of an egg, an egg yolk. But we're actually talking about that farming, those farming tools. Uh, a yolk was used to bind um, uh, the, the ox to some type of rope. And the farmer would go behind them and would uh, say, come on, Bessie, you know, and, and really just control the ox through the yoke and sometimes two oxes would be tied together and uh, they will be yoked together as they are controlled by the farmer are you with me say with me giddy up Bessie okay they were controlled by the farmer uh, in some regard it's, sometimes two oxen could be unequally yoked and it would cause the the farmer to have uh, lines that were crooked they were, they were crooked. They wouldn't go on a straight road because the oxen were not equally yoked. That's why the Bible tells us also in the New Testament, be not unequally yoked with unbelievers because they'll cause you to grow, to go in, uh, directions that are not straight. Are you with me? So yoke, of course, uh, as we said, is more of a controlling instrument, controlling instrument. And Moses, uh, the yoke in Moses' life was that of fear. And if the enemy is successful to successful in yoking you with fear, uh, in moments of pressure and in times of a strong pressure, he's going to use that yoke to turn you in different directions that will cause you a lot of stress and cause you a lot of pain. Are you with me? So the Lord has come to deliver us from those yokes. Uh, the Lord even said in Matthew, the 11th chapter, he said, uh, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. You can't have two yokes on at one time. So the, the word here is to take off the enemy's yoke and receive the yoke of Christ. He said his yoke is easy and uh, his burdens are light. See, because we were born to serve and we're going to serve either one of the two masters. We're going to either serve mammon or we're going to serve God. We're going to serve the devil or we're going to serve the Lord. The, we were born to serve. You're going to serve someone. Are you with me? All right. So. Uh, just give me a moment to lay this foundation, then we're going to take off. I, I know you want to jump and scream and hang from the chandeliers, but just give me a moment to give you some definition. Are you with me? Amen. Praise the Lord. So uh, Moses was yoked with, uh, the, with fear from birth, and this fear came about on the onset of trauma or by the onset of trauma. 
trauma, of course, uh, we can define that. Trauma is an experience uh, that produces psychological injury or pain. There was a lot of trauma at the beginning of Moses' life. Now, let's go to Exodus, the first chapter. Exodus, the first chapter. Let me show you this. Uh, going to the long and skinny of this in verse 22, Exodus 1, 22. The Bible says, And Pharaoh charged all his people, saying, Every son that is born ye shall cast into the river, and every daughter ye shall save alive. Here Moses, or rather Pharaoh, knew that um, a deliverer would be born, so, and he also wanted to uh, keep the number of the Israelites down because he thought that they were greater than he was. And uh, he gave the order, of course, kill all the males. Kill all the males. And uh, so that was the climate. It was a lot of fear, a lot of wailing, a lot of sorrow, a lot of suffering. In that, in verse number two, the Bible says, And there was a man of the house of Levi and took to wife a daughter of Levi. And the woman conceived and bare a son. So already in this climate of fear, there are women wailing, their fathers wailing for their sons, uh, their grandparents that knew their baby had a son, and they right away they knew that if you if you're pregnant and if you have a boy, that baby must die. So Moses' mother, father, filled with fear because they know what's going to happen to this child. But the Bible says here, when she, Moses' mother, saw saw him that he was a goodly child or good-looking child, she hid him for the space of three months. Now, hid him for everybody, from everybody for the space of three months. In verse number three, and when she could no longer hide him, she took him and made an ark. Now, let me tell you about some things that are happening now. Now, Moses is just a baby. Now, we're talking about uh, Moses in the womb and outside the womb. I want to show you some things. In the womb, his mother is filled with fear, but still faith and bravery. But he's in the womb and everybody's seeing her every day, seeing and knowing that she is pregnant and she's wishing, hoping that this is a girl because if this is in fact a boy, the soldiers will come, pick the baby up and throw the baby in the river. And no mother or father wants to experience that. They have no control over these soldiers, no control over the events. But if this baby is a boy, it's going to die. Are you with me? So Moses is within the womb field or uh, he's experiencing this fear that is coming from mom. So when Moses is born, it's a boy. Oh, my God, this baby should die. But Moses' parents saw him. Good looking child. There's something special about him and decided to hide him. Now, listen, Moses now is born. And for the space of three months, they hide him. Now, how many of you know that babies cry? Babies make noise. And babies don't care whether the, they don't care about what's going on outside or inside. They don't care when they're frustrated or when they're hungry. They're going to let everybody know about it. It was something for, Mo, for Moses' mother to hide this baby for three months. I'm sure some night she had to tell little Moses, little Moses, shh, hush, be quiet, hush, be quiet, hush, be quiet, hush, be quiet. Do something with him. I'm sure father had to come in and say, uh, do something with the baby. Hurry up, hurry up. The soldier's coming. Hurry up, hurry up. Put him away, put him away, put him away, put him away. Hurry up, hide him. 
And so how is Moses feeling now, even as a child? What emotional experiences uh, is he having? Is he having oh, loving feelings? Possibly. But more so, he's being put to the side and put back and told to be quiet or something bad was going to happen. These are in the early years of his life. And so as he gets older, Moses' mother could no longer hide him, so she puts him in an ark. Uh, he, not knowing what's going on, I'm sure, floats away from mom and goes down river into Pharaoh's daughter's hands. Pharaoh's daughter sees, oh, this is a boy from the Hebrews. At that moment, she could have said, kill it. But the Lord gave Moses favor in her sight. And it turns out that uh, his Moses' sister was there talking to Pharaoh's daughter. And they take the baby and give the baby back to Moses' mother. Because after a while, the baby needed to be nourished. Uh, at the time, the baby was, uh, uh, was nursing, was breastfed. So uh, the daughter said, well, uh, Moses' sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, uh, let me find a Hebrew woman that will nurse him for you. Of course, she went back to mom. Mom now has the baby once again. But now what environment is Moses under now? Moses' mother sure is glad to have him, but knows at the appointed time, I'm going to have to give my baby away. Are you hearing what's being said now? So there's a lot of trauma surrounding his life, even at that young age. Can mama really get close to her baby, knowing that in a little while I'm going to have to give him away? I'm going to have to disown him and forget that he's even there? Can Moses' mama really be intimate with the child, knowing that after a while I'm going to have to release him? So there's a lot of stirring in Moses' house. And the Bible says that after Moses was weaned, after he came of the age, after he came to the age of weaning, uh, which in some cultures are from two to five, uh, but even earlier, earlier, way back in Bible times, some cultures, uh, didn't stop weaning a child till he was twelve. But that's something all else together. We'll talk, pick that up on another day. But from the age two to five, here's now Moses with mom. Now Moses is walking, walking around. He's making his first sounds. He's communicating. And just as he's developing a relationship with his biological mother, now here's Pharaoh's daughter coming along, claiming her son, taking her, taking him from mom. Do you think that that was a traumatic experience? Because Moses didn't know this lady. But all he knew was that this lady, Pharaoh's daughter, is now taking me from my mother. Maybe there were some tears and Moses' mother said, oh, oh, my baby, my baby, my son, my son. And I'm sure that maybe the soldiers, come on, come on, bring him here. Come on, come on. Now he's going to live in Pharaoh's house. So this was a very traumatic experience. This was trauma here at this moment. When uh, at least from, at, from the age of um, five down to uh, in the wound, he had been told to be quiet, be silent. There's fear surrounding him. Uh, he, he does not, he may not have the opportunity to feel intimacy or the time of love from his family or his familial relationships. But everybody's trying to give him away, so it seems. And what does this develop in a person over time? Well, let's see how, when, when we're going to fast forward a little bit. When Moses was on the mountain and uh, he was talking to the Lord, you know, we're going to fast forward. Moses came out of Egypt, 
went to the mountain and began to talk to the Lord about reasons why he couldn't go uh, and deliver the children of Israel. Let's look at that. Are y'all still with me today? I want you to see some things here. Let's go to the same book of Exodus. Go over just a few chapters. I'm going to get it in my Bible. Praise the Lord. All right, Moses, uh, in Exodus 4, fourth chapter, we can see some things here. Exodus, the fourth chapter, we see here as the Lord begins to call Moses during the burning bush experience. Now, Moses is, staying, is standing in the presence of God. Now, you're not going to lie in the presence of God, and everything that is within you is revealed in God's presence. So the Lord tells Moses, all right, I want you to go into the children of Israel, and I want you to bring them out. Moses says in verse number 11 of Exodus, the third chapter, let's start there, Exodus three eleven, And Moses said unto God, uh, who am I? that I should go unto Pharaoh, and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt. Who am I? In other words, I'm, I'm a nobody, Lord. I, I, I'm not anybody. I'm not anybody special. If I were special, they wouldn't have kept giving me away. Now, Moses may or may not have known about all the things that happened to him as a child, but knowledge uh, has nothing, or, or, or we can say emotions will supersede knowledge. In other words, emotions are on a higher, higher plane than knowledge because you can feel something and not know why you're feeling it. Emotions will, will always, uh, is, are always stronger than knowledge. So there can be what the Bible calls an evil foreboding over your life. You can feel something. You, you know, you're always feeling bad. You always, uh, you, you don't know why you always feel afraid. You don't know why you always feel angry. I mean, you don't know why there's no knowledge, but the feelings are there. And these feelings have been with him, uh, from the womb up to, uh, up through life. So we can see here, he said, I, I'm, I'm nobody. Uh, you don't really want me to go. Now, uh, Exodus, the fourth chapter, verse one. And Moses answered and said, but uh, behold, uh, they will not believe me, uh, uh, nor hearken unto my voice, for they will say, the Lord have not appeared unto thee. I have no clout with these people. They have no reason to, to understand what I'm saying, or uh, he's thinking very little of himself. In verse 10, uh, Moses says again, and Moses said unto the Lord, O oh my Lord, I am not eloquent, uh, neither heretofore, nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant. But I am slow of speech and of a slow tongue. He's bringing out all these objections. Now, these objections are coming from his heart because the Bible declares that from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So these are things that are within him. Now, notice he's not talking to an angel. He's not talking to another person. He's talking to God. So what he's saying, he actually believes. He actually believes that he's a nobody. He actually believes that nobody will hear what he says. He actually believes that, 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 that he can't speak or, or that he can't communicate. He actually believes this. This is in his heart. And these things happen because of the trauma that was at the beginning of his life. Now, let me show you some things. Let's go back further uh, in the book of Exodus. We're going to travel just a little bit further on. Uh, Moses, and let's go to 
chapter two. Go back to chapter two of Exodus. So what are we doing today? What, what are we doing now? We're talking about the uh, the turtle syndrome. We want to show you uh, examples here in the life of Moses, um, how fear developed, how it was in his life. And now we're going to also show you how it ruled his life. Now, as we go to Exodus, the second chapter, uh, let's look at verses 11 and 12. The Bible says, and it came to pass in, in the days when Moses was grown. Now, Moses is grown. He's about 40 years of age. Now, Josephus, the historian, says that Moses fought in many battles and his name was renowned before his 40th birthday. That's something to think about as well. So he was uh, thought of as a conqueror. He was trained in Pharaoh's house, trained to make war. Very educated man. But yet and still, he thought small of himself. So you can get a lot of education. You can have a lot of accomplishments, but yet and still see yourself as very small. And if that yoke is about your neck, at crucial times, the enemy can take hold of those reins and turn you. Moses' mission in life was to be a deliverer of the children of Israel. That was on his life. That was his mission. That was his purpose in life. He knew that. That was in him. But he was setting about now in verse 11, he's setting about trying to do that, but in the wrong way. And he's being controlled by fear. And the fear of Moses was manifested in anger. Hear me. Because you can have fear in your heart, and that fear doesn't just remain. It will transform to something else. Fear can transform to anger. Fear can transform uh, into depression. Fear can transform into worry or uh, fear can transform into stress. Fear uh, will express itself in many different type of ways. And some of our lives, we can be so afraid and, and fear turns to worry. And we worry and we worry or fear turns to stress. Fear Fear turns into many different things, into panic attacks and ah, uh, and gripping you and restraining you. You understand? So in this case, in Moses' case, fear turned to anger. Now, Exodus, the second chapter, it says Moses is now full grown. He's about 40 years of age. It says that, uh, that he went out unto his brethren and looked on their burdens. He saw his people and saw what was going on. And he spied an Egyptian smiting an Hebrew, one of his brethren. He saw one of the Egyptians beating one of the Hebrew slaves. And he looked this way and that way. And when he saw that there was no man, he slew the Egyptian and laid him in the sand. Moses was enraged. Here's an example of anger. Enraged when he saw one of his brethren being beat. This is when anger took over him and he began to lash out. If we don't watch it, this fear that will manifest itself in anger can seethe inside of us and eventually can come out like a volcano. We can have an eruption, which is what happened here. When Moses goes out and kills someone. Now, Moses is an upstanding man in the community. 
He's a military leader. Uh, he has done great exploits, well-educated. But when he goes out here and sees this happening, he's not using his mind at this point. There's something else that took over. The anger took over. He knew that this was a bad thing to do. That's why he hid the body in the sand. Anybody that goes out and kills somebody else is not thinking with their right mind. Are you hearing me? This is anger that took over. This was fear. I've got to do something about this. Here's my brother. He's being attacked. And I have this authority. I've got to do something. And what he decides to do was, a, was, a, was uh, express his anger and kill this Egyptian. Now, this mistake cost him 40 years in the wilderness. Because after this point, he found out that people knew what he had done. And so he left Egypt running into the wilderness and he stayed out in the wilderness for 40 years. Now, in the wilderness, he's about 80 years old and he talks to God by the burning bush there. And God sends him back to Egypt. Now, Moses left when he was 40. He's coming back when he was 80 to do what God called him to do. He lost 40 years because of his anger. I want you to understand that. He was the deliverer from birth. This was a mark that was on his life. But because of an outburst of anger, it cost him 40 years. Very crucial time. Now Moses is a man, 40 years old. Now he can make decisions for himself. Maybe he can go into the parliament and talk to Pharaoh about the, about the Hebrews and, and get some things worked out. But instead he got angry and it cost him. And so Moses comes back and he's 80 years old and, and everything happened with the plagues and everything. God brings the people out with his mighty hand and, uh, Moses brings the people out. Hallelujah. Everybody's singing. They go through the Red Sea. Praise the Lord. They go to Mount Sinai and everybody's happy. Oh Lord, we're out here and Pharaoh's been drowned in the Red Sea. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Anyhow. Praise the Lord. So now Moses goes to the mountain to get the Ten Commandments and while he's up there for 40 days. While he's up there, the people think, well, Moses is dead. Let's make ourselves a God. Let's make ourselves a golden calf. Yeah, let's, let's throw a party. And uh, when the 40 days was completed, Moses comes down from the mountain. And Joshua says, hey, that's the sounds of battle. Moses said, no, that's not the sound of battle. They're having a party down there. Moses goes down with the ten tablets, with the ten commandments in his, in his hands, in his, on his arms. And he stands up and sees the people down there fornicating. And they were doing everything evil around this golden calf. And now he gets angry and throws down these precious tablets written with the very finger of God himself. Now, how in the world are you going to break something that was written by God himself? Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? This, how valuable would this be? So you take this very valuable tablets and now here again, here again, here's the enemy taking the yoke around Moses' neck and pulling and Mo Moses throws, bang, throws the commandments down in anger because he has not dealt with the anger that started way back. The anger underlined by fear. Fear. What are you afraid of now, Moses? What are you afraid of now? Oh, that I made a mistake and bring these people out here. I'm afraid now that, that I have failed. Afraid now that I have failed. And this fear is coming up to anger. And this anger causes me to do uh, things that I will regret later. 
Well, what did that cause? Now Moses got to go back up into the mountain and spend more time with God. Another 40 days to go get more tablets. And then as the account goes on, they finally get to the promised land. And the people are just quarreling and chiding with Moses and Aaron. We ain't got no water. We ain't got none to eat. We don't have anything. Why just leave us here in Egypt? And before the Lord told Moses to, uh, uh, to strike the rock and water came out and it fed all the people of Israel. But now God tells him in this case, Moses, I want you just to speak to the rock. Sanctify me before the people. Just speak to the rock, Moses. Just speak to it. And I'll give the people what they need. But now Moses is so angry, he says to the people there in the book of Numbers, let's, let's go ahead and get it. I want to show you. Let's go to Numbers 20. Let me show you this because I, I want you to see this. I want you to see patterns of anger in Moses' life that cost him dearly every time. Numbers, the 20th chapter. And, uh, Let's look at verse number seven. Are you there? Numbers 20, verse number seven. And it says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Take the rod, and gather thou the assembly together, thou and Aaron thy brother, and speak ye unto the rock before their eyes, and it shall give forth his water, and thou shalt bring forth uh, to them water out of the rock. So thou shalt give the congregation and their beast drink. And Moses took the rod from before the Lord uh, as he commanded him. And Moses and Aaron gathered the congregation together before the rock and said unto them, Hear now, ye rebels, must we fetch you water out of this rock? And Moses lifted up his hand and with his rod, he smote the rock twice. Boom, boom. And the, and the water came abundantly. The water came out abundantly, and the congregation drank, and the beast also, and their beast also. Hey, still got it done, right? Let's see. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, because ye believe me not to sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore ye shall not bring this congregation into the land which I have given them. God said, Moses, now, buddy, your anger has really cost you. Now you are not going into the promised land because of this outburst of anger. Now you've toiled with them in the wilderness. You walked around with them. They're going in, but you are not. Your anger has cost you again. Do you understand what we're saying? So we can identify or see uh, the yoke around Moses' neck, fear, fear that manifested itself into anger, anger that was left uh, and out of control. Now Moses, of course, was he the holy man? Sure he was. Man, he was in the presence of God, Right? One of the meekest men on the planet, right? Yeah. In God's presence so much that his face would shine uh, with the glory of God and the people was afraid to look at him because he, who he looked like God, man. He talked to the Lord directly. He worked signs and wonders. Talk about a preacher. But yet, he had a problem with anger. That anger was underlined with fear and it was never dealt with. And it cost him every single time. 
Now, as we go into our closing here, the turtle syndrome. Every time Moses got into a tight situation, every time he went back into fear and the fear manifested into anger and it caused bad results. Many of us in here today are also going back into our shell. And I'm not sure what it's manifesting in, but you do. You, you already know. Whether it's a temper like Moses or, or whether when pressure hits, we go to the drug or we go to the alcohol or we, or when pressure hits, we go into depression. I'm not sure what this pressure will bring out of you. But Jesus came to heal that error. He came to heal that error. And in the book of Isaiah, the Bible declares that it is the anointing that breaks the yoke. The Lord Jesus wants to break that yoke off of your life. He wants to break the enemy's control off of you. He wants to break it off. Because if the Lord does not break it off, there will come other crucial moments in your life when God's glory is meant to be seen or revealed. But you will abort that. Through whatever thing that you're doing. Maybe you're supposed to go up and do this, but you can't because you're hung over. Are you hearing what we're saying to you? Maybe you're supposed to go up and do this, but you can't talk to that person because last night you just cussed them out. Are you hearing what we're saying to you? I'm not sure how this thing will manifest in you, but I assure you that it's there. But it began with some sort of trauma, either was before your birth or around surrounding your birth. Some of us, it happened during the teenage years or happened during our, um, during our childhood. It may have happened on the playground with the other children laughing, laughing at us and, and taunting us and taunting us and taunting us. There was some sort of trauma and the enemy used that trauma to put a yoke around your neck. And that you're with that yoke, the enemy controls your life with it. And I'm a witness to that because for years I had the trauma of fear in, in my life and I wouldn't go places to say a word. I couldn't get up front of people to, to save my life. Even in high school, I could not do that. I couldn't do it. I wouldn't do it. I was so terrified and afraid. And there were meetings I wouldn't go to, even as an adult, things I wouldn't do because I was afraid. The enemy would take the yoke and turn. And I would say, no, I can't do that. Now, no, I can't do that. Ask somebody else to go. But Jesus came to free us from that error, to break the yoke so that we can be freed to serve him. So after the yoke is broken, after the burden is, has been removed because of the anointing, then the Lord will free you and restore you and give you his yoke. The Lord said, my yoke is easy. In other words, when I call upon you to act, you do that and great things will happen because of it. The blessings of the Lord will make rich and add no sorrow whatsoever. God wants to equip you. He has your, bench, your best interest at heart where the enemy wants to destroy you any chance that he gets. So hear me. Jesus came not only to save your soul from a burning hell, but he also came to free your heart from errors. And that's ha that happens through the release of God's anointing through the release of his anointing. So I'm not sure how it's been manifesting in your life, but I, I can tell you today that Jesus has come to free you from that. And all you have to do is open yourself up for that healing. How many of you want that yoke to be destroyed in your life? You want that yoke to be destroyed in your life? Well, we can't preach it out. And that's according to the word of God.
I can't tell you just get over it or stop doing it. Just stop doing it. Just just stop. If it make you sick, just stop. That doesn't do anything. Then everybody know that doesn't do anything. That area has to be healed. And Jesus has come to do that. So trust him today. Trust him today. Cry out to him today. Ask for his anointing. Ask for his healing. And he'll give you that. Remember, if you would like to hear more about our ministry, just log on to kingdomrock.org. That's kingdomrock.org. 